Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 144. Michael Pitts, Michael Waddell's mentor, firefighter, master bowman, realtree, and part-time comedian. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Today's show is sponsored by Morris' Sporting Goods and the Eurohanger. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hi, I'm David Girizzo. And I'm Dean Girizzo. From TagandBrag.tv. And you're listening to our favorite hunting podcast. Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. This is Chad Eubanks with Bone Buster Outdoors. You're tuned in to my favorite deer hunting podcast, Big Buck Registry. Hey, this is Dan Coffin. I shot the uh, Coffin Buck. You're about to listen to another episode of my favorite podcast, Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I can't thank you enough. I don't know where you're at right now or what you're listening to while well, you're listening to me, obviously. I'd like to give a big shout-out to Girl Getter, who just left us a five-star review on iTunes. This is the best hunting podcast I listen to. I've learned a lot from you and your guest. Thank you so much, Girl Getter. We sincerely appreciate the five-star review. And if you'd like to leave a five-star review, too, all you have to do is go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash iTunes. I want to thank you for tuning in right here, right now. In whatever time it is you're listening to the show, I want to thank you once again. And Dusty Phillips would also like to thank you. What's happening, Dusty? Oh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate everybody tuning in with us, joining us, hanging out with us, spending an hour of your time every Saturday. Yeah, man, I'm psyched. Whatever day, whatever day you decide to listen, you can listen anytime. Any time you want. Doesn't have to be Saturday. It could be Sunday. It could yeah. be Tuesday. It could be. It could be that hour at work that uh, you need to burn off. That's you know? right. Yeah. It could be while you're working if it just don't get caught. It's the beautiful thing about podcasts. You can download it and listen, or you don't even have to download it. You can stream it. Just listen whenever you have time. Yeah, get the app. Do mm-hmm. it all. Mm-hmm. Get the app over at bigbuckregistry.com forward slash app. It's fantastic. So that's what I love about a podcast. And, and so don't feel like you got to listen at 5 a.m. on Saturday morning when our show comes out. But if you'd like to, you can always download the app. And if you love the show, you can always Go to our Patreon account and donate a dollar a month, two bucks a month, however much you feel is, is important to the show. And that's at bigbuckregistry.com forward slash donate. What else is going on in Ohio, Dusty? You know, it's another week closer to, to turkey season, Jay. Yep. Yeah. It's that thing we do when we're not hunting whitetail because we can't. And fortunately, they give us this ability to do something that's like deer hunting, which is turkey hunting. Right on. I can't wait, dude. I'm psyched. I was uh, out scouting a little bit yesterday, actually. You know, you wouldn't think necessarily you'd be scouting yet, but uh, I was. And uh, knocking on doors and getting permission, just like we do for deer season, so that uh, when you come to town, man, we can go to all my prime spots. Yeah, I can't wait, dude. Really, I can't. Yeah. Appreciate the opportunity and 
And I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're bringing Mike Beerman with the living room buck to New Hampshire to yes. hunt the old thunder chicken. Mike Behrman, who shot the living room buck. We're not bringing the living room buck with with him. Sorry, sorry. I should have reworded that, right? I just want to make sure. <laughs> not we that, might, though. I would, it could fly. You know, I would gladly welcome just the Behrman buck in my house for the weekend. Whatever mount he brings, I, I, that'd be great. I'll put it next to my small 123 over there on the wall. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? It'd be fantastic. Heck, yeah. <laughs> That'd be sweet. <laughs> It'd be great. Uh, hey, so this week, Dusty, we're going to get a little comedic. We're going to go and, and visit somebody who technically is not a comedian, but he's certainly doing funny things with real tree. <laughs> he sure is. That that that's a fact. You couldn't. Uh, you cannot take that away from him. If you look at some of the videos he's done, you would swear to God he is a thorn in the side of Michael Waddell. <laughs> <laughs> every week week in week out he's bugging michael with some something or other and he's kind of making a, a name for himself and i thought it was more than appropriate to have michael pitts on the show and tell us how this all plays out and we actually break into character numerous times on the show and and we we yuck it up pretty good so if you like laughing and you like to kind of make fun of the those folks that are more in the spotlight than others, then this is going to be a show you will entertain uh, to the to the hilt because Michael does nothing but uh, play with and what's a good word here and just um, bug the heck out of those celebrity hunters that uh, we are more than familiar with. So it's going to be before we get to Michael Pitts, Jay. Let's go over to Jim Keller with the Deer News. The Deer News this week is sponsored by the Eurohanger. You don't have to spend big bucks to hang your big buck. Get yourself a Eurohanger. Facebook.com forward slash Eurohanger. E-U-R-O-H-A-N-G-E-R. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. And our first story, a Pennsylvania man dies from rattlesnake bite. This story was originally reported in the July 2015 edition of the Outdoor News, but given recent postings on the Big Buck Registry's Facebook page, I thought it was worth covering. A Pennsylvania man died in July of 2015 after being bitten by a timber rattler rattlesnake. The man was diagnosed as having an allergic reaction to the snake venom, which resulted in him going into cardiac arrest. This was a very rare and unfortunate situation. Fewer than 1 in 37,500 people are bitten by venomous snakes in the U.S. each year, or about 7 to 8,000 bites per year. Only 1 in 50 million will die from snake bite, or about 5 to 6 fatalities per year. You are 1 in 9 times more likely to die from being struck by lightning than to die from a snake bite. Rattlesnakes are extremely rare in Pennsylvania, so rare that the state has implemented protective regulations around them. Consider buckwheat in your early summer food plots. This segment is a summary of information you can find on the QDMA website. Buckwheat is easy to grow and grows well in sandy, low-fertility soils. It requires little to no seed bed preparation and is easy to plant in hard-to-reach food plots. Buckwheat can be planted in spring as well as late-season food plots in July or August. It performs best in cool, moist environments, is best suited for northern climates, but can also be planted in many areas of the south. Buckwheat can improve food plot soils as its organic matter returns phosphorus back to the soil. Its protein values range from 9 to 20% based on soil fertility and pH level. Buckwheat matures in 7 to 10 weeks and is not only attractive to deer, but turkeys and birds as well. 
For more information on buckwheat, please check our show notes for this episode or the QDMA's website. We also would like to know if you found this segment of value and would like it to be a regular part of the deer news. So please feel free to email me with your thoughts at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. 18 deer and one elk confirmed with CWD in Arkansas. This story was written by Alan Clemens for deerandeerhunting.com. Only weeks ago, on February 23rd, the first elk tested positive for CWD in Arkansas. 22 cases have now been verified in deer and elk. For the past several years, Arkansas has prohibited the transport of certain parts of elk or deer from other states with CWD. The Arkansas Fish and Game Commission did immediately implement its CWD protocol plan when the first case was discovered. The core area of the disease is in northern Newton County in the northern part of the state. The Fish and Game Commission is targeting the testing of 300 additional deer. As of March 22, 225 deer and six elk have been sampled, and they are waiting to hear back on test results. Turnaround in test results usually takes 7 to 10 days. We'll stay tuned for more information. Future cars will include technology to avoid car-deer accidents. This story was originally reported by Autoblog.com and is listed on DeerFriendly.com. The 2017 Volvo S90 will arrive at dealers this summer. The 250-horsepower Swedish brand vehicle comes with a host of options typical of a car in this class, including a semi-auto piloting feature that can control the car at up to 80 miles per hour. The semi-auto piloting feature also includes, quote-unquote, large animal detection that can automatically brake for deer, elk, or other big game in the road. The S90 starts at 47945 and you can start the purchasing process from the Volvo website. Michigan DNR Expanding Coyote Hunting Rules The Michigan DNR is considering change, changes to coyote hunting rules that would expand the season as well as the ways they can be hunted. The daylight hunting season, which currently runs from July 15th through April 15th, would be expanded to year-round. The nighttime hunting season, which currently runs from October 15th to March 31st, would also be expanded to year-round. The spring ban on hunting coyotes with dogs from April 16th to July 7th would remain in effect. Hunters would be allowed to use number 3 and number 4 buckshot for all species hunted at night, which is currently not allowed. The changes are not expected to have a significant impact on the coyote population. The changes are all based on hunter feedback to the DNR. That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer News. If you have any ideas for future topics or have questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Well, thanks to Jim Keller for bringing us the Deer News. And without further ado, here is Michael Pitts. Michael Pitts, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm glad y'all invited me. I enjoy doing these kind of things. So we're, we're going to sit back and let the good times roll. I, I'm already grinning ear to ear because you make me laugh. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> My voice alone usually makes people laugh. So <laughs> we're, we're ahead of the game already. Gotcha. So I see you're on the Working Class Bowhunter podcast, or I listen to the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad, yeah. you, I'm glad you got warmed up and tuned up for, for this show. Because that's right, you know it's like practice. You got to make sure you're going to do it right, and then you get ready for, for the the prime time. Yeah, a little sparring match before the real event, <laughs> I guess you could say. That's right. <laughs> so, for example, the Tim Burnett, who's the solo hunter, uh-huh. he was on our show. Uh, okay, and he listened to our show before he went on the big show called Joe Rogan. Oh, uh huh. See that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's big time right there. Yeah. So, 
you know, that, that, that's the kind of game that we're in here. And I, and I totally get so, it. So you what know? you're trying to tell me is after this interview, I'm going places. That's it, man. This is like okay. the slingshot show. That's right. Once you get on the show, I man. Use a little slingshot. It's for sure. It's through the stratosphere. Once you hit the big buck registry, there's no question about it. Hey, I'm game. I am game. Hundred <laughs> percent. Very nice. So, Michael, you caught our attention. You are part of the Real Tree Clan, and mm-hmm. you get to pick on all the Real Tree pro staffers. And I think you are one of those as well. But you get to pick on all these guys, and and kind of bring things down to earth for all of them. And I, my guess is that you, you get to kind of bring them back to their roots. That, that's right. You know, basically, my character is kind of trained them all in a way. I'm, I'm a mentor to them. So, you know, it's full circle. Did, did you did you teach Michael Waddell everything he knows? Pretty much everything. Pretty much yep. everything. Okay. Yep. Yep. We started as kids, and I kind of took and led the way and showed him all about hunting and what he needs to be doing and yep. how to call turkeys and how to hunt deer. So yep. I guess you could say I was the foundation that built him, I reckon. I, I, I kind of heard that there was some there was some – like um mentor hanging out in the in the background never really taking credit for what he's become but i think we found our guy dusty i, I think you're right jay i do believe <laughs> i do believe we found that there's no better way than hear it from the horse's mouth right. itself you were like the karate you're like the you are to michael waddell that the sensei is to the karate kid basically yeah, yeah, I guess you could say I'm Mr. Miyagi. In a you way. are Mr. Miyagi. You know, I, I, I'm that Mr. Miyagi figure for sure. Right. Definitely. That's... They all have to step into my dojo from time to time. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, man. So you're, you're uh, just kind of get back to who you, who you really are. Tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. the real Michael Pitts. Where are you from, Michael? Uh, the real Michael Pitts. I was born and raised here in West Point, Georgia. Uh, it's about 60 miles south of Atlanta, kind of on the Georgia-Alabama line, right on the Chattahoochee River. Uh, pretty much born and raised, uh, living here, love it here, and uh, basically kind of got into the industry. I, I know y'all are familiar with uh, Travis T-Bone Turner. Very much so. Uh, I started, yeah, I started working on bows with him probably 10, 12 years ago and kind of got introduced to the Realtree clan through that. And then when Travis got so busy with all his stuff, he didn't have time to do a whole lot of bow work anymore. So I kind of filled his spot and started doing all Realtree's bow work. And I helped him out with a lot of the, he still gets in a lot of bow work. So I helped him out from time to time when he needs help. He helps me when I need help. So Basically, that's how I kind of got into the outdoor industry was just wrenching on bows, being a bow medic, I guess you could call it. Gotcha. So you're you're fixing all the stuff that Nick Munt breaks, basically. Nick's pretty rough on gear, too. It's a full-time job keeping up with him <laughs> alone. I think he ties his bow to the truck and just drags it to the stand. <laughs> uh, I don't think he actually puts it in the truck at any time. So, really okay so yeah he, yeah, yeah it's a it's a full time he's brutal on equipment brutal <laughs> so, so how do you how do you outfit a guy like that that just just beats his stuff oh you gotta you've got to bulletproof it you know you got to find the tricks of the trade and pretty much find the weaknesses and beef them up uh it, it's 
it takes a lot of lot of thought to, to <laughs> gotcha. go into creating all all the turmoil that comes that way. So you're a you're also a firefighter, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm a full time firefighter. Full time firefighter, and you're a, mm-hmm. a, a bow technician. Um, yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. much every every firefighter has a second job. That's that true. That is true. The nature of the beast. Yes, I've never it's met the one. nature of the beast. Never yep, met a firefighter exactly. that didn't have a second job. Actually, you this got to true. to make ends meet. Right. So you know, yeah, the wrenching on bows was kind of I formed previous to wrenching on bows, and then uh, Travis had somebody quit him and asked if I wanted to come help him. So I rolled over into there, and kind of the rest is history. Gotcha. Now, I have lined up an interview with Travis T-Bone Turner mm-hmm. for the future here. Um, but you you know yeah. Travis probably more than you know the other guys. Sounds like sounds like you got yeah. to spend a lot of time with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've spent a good bit of time with Travis. And what's, uh, what's he really like? Uh, as long as you've got Cheetos and Dr. Pepper, everything's smooth. Smooth sailing. <laughs> uh, All right. But he... Yeah, yeah, he he is really an archery guru, probably one of the best there is. Uh, nobody knows the ins and outs of archery and bows uh, better than he does. He he actually won the world uh, one year, ASA world title. So he was a big competitive archer and also knows a lot about the functions and all that of a bow. He, he's a heck of a bow wrench, pretty much taught me everything I know. So, yeah, he's a good old feller. He's a good old fella, but you know, you, you keep some Cheetos around and you can lead him anywhere. <laughs> I'm sure he'd like to hear you say that. <laughs> so you got to know Travis and this was all from, did you grow up with him or was this something? That, no, I um, actually didn't. Uh, you know, I, I'd taken my bows to him to be fixed and all. Oh, he had his own archery store in Hogansville. And so that's how he kind of got tied up with the real tree crew. He started doing their bow work for them and he had his own store. And so I kind of went to work for him and then, uh, you know, we just, just went from there. So I spent a lot of years wrenching on bows with him and cutting up and having a good old time. Nice. Now, when did you develop this Michael Pitts character that has been come to known as the, the guy that you don't want to be interviewed by? You know, I don't know how it all developed. It, it was it, it was actually by chance. You know, we were at the APA show this year, and we kind of talked about doing some stuff and, you know, ran some couple ideas around what we could do, this or that. And we were kind of open to options as far as where we were going to go, but social media has gotten so big, we knew we kind of wanted to do something in the social media area. And we were at the APA show, and, uh, Daniel Thomas, their, one of their producers, just pulled me aside and he said, man, we're at the APA show. We need to do something, a funny little bit or whatever. Yeah. And that's when we did the deal with Michael and Nate Hosey and uh, Tom McMillan and Eddie Salter and all them. And it kind of got a lot of good reviews after we had done that. So we kind of decided to do something based off that since it went so well. Right. And that kind of morphed into the character I am today, I guess. How could it not go well when you told Nate Hosey's sisters to stop calling you? <laughs> yeah, I know it. They burned my phone up. And <laughs> Blowing I, it? I, Do they blow up yeah. your phone? Is that what it is? It, 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 exactly. I thought about changing my number a couple of times. I tell him to tell him to leave me alone and nothing gets through. So 
I don't know what we're going to do about that situation. Sounds like you got yourself in a pickle. Exactly. Exactly. But as as they're only human, Michael. Yeah, that's true. Right. As we all are, you know, so we we, we got to figure that out, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. I always just tell them that uh, looking's free. It's when you want to touch is going to cost you. Yeah. Cost you. Yeah, yeah. Some it'll cost you some teeth sometimes. Uh, a whole <laughs> yeah. variety of things. <laughs> so, so do you do you think Eddie Salter should get into this turkey hunting thing? I think he's got possibly a future in it. Okay. Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, he's got a lot of flaws, but they might could be worked out. But we're working with him, and we'll see where it goes. That's awesome. So, you know, I've been wondering about this, and you did bring this up with, with Michael uh, Waddell. Where the heck did he come up with all those those dumb catchphrases? You know, I I think it's something in the water over there at the Booger Bottom. Yeah. I honestly do. There's something in the water over there, and he's been drinking a lot of it, obviously, and that's where it comes from. That is where it comes from. I'm determined there's something in the water over there. I need to ask you a question, and this kind of came up in our talk that we had with Nick Munt. Uh-huh. You're from, yeah. you're in Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're on the, the Chattahoochee. It's the Chattahoochee River. Chattahoochee River. Thank you. I didn't, yeah, I was, I didn't want to mispronounce Chattahoochee. And, I want to make sure I had that yeah, right. Exactly. Now, from what I understand, Nick has a, a camp or a place down there. Is that accurate? Yeah. And did he yeah, do, yeah. did he do that to be closer to you? Ah, uh, there's very good possibilities because you know you need to be close to the dojo, right? To, to learn okay. everything, and plane tickets were getting too expensive, and quite honestly, I was having to foot out way too much money for the progress we were making. Right. So I told him the only option for him to still be in my dojo was to move closer within a 20-mile radius of my dojo. So, you gotcha. know, that, that that was one of the deals we had, and he opted to pack everything up and head this way. So it, it was either that or, or fail as pro hunter. Right, so, and obviously he, he didn't want to give up um, the, the training. No, that guy's got a lot of fight in him. I, I will say that. It, right. It's a long, hard road, but, but he's not a quitter. We work hard, we train hard, we, we eat, breathe, and sleep the professional aspects of pro hunting. And so I think he's got a shot, you know, if he, if he keeps his head focused yeah. and, and, you know, passes all his weekly pop quizzes and that kind of stuff, you know, he, he's getting better. But I think he's got a future in it. So, yeah. so we're going to keep working with him and see where it goes. But, you know. He, he could fall out and be, be that rotten egg. You never know. So we just got to put forth a good effort and do the best we can, and hopefully we win. Gotcha. Now, I've I've been, you know, there's there's this uh, kind of like this insider news report, kind of like the Drudge Report for all the, the news things that you don't really want to believe. And I've heard this, but I, I need to ask it from you. Something. All right. I, I've heard that Cam Haynes is is trying to do that with you as well to get a place on the Chattahoochee because of the progress you've made with Nick. Yeah, there, there, there's been that kind of aspect that's been talked about, but the only thing is we're we're trying to build mountains here right now that he can hike. Okay. 
Uh, and so, you know, we got kind of pretty flat terrain around here right now. So, you know, we're trying to build mountains and training grounds, especially for him to suit his caliber of hunting. And, you know, that's what we're working on at the training compound right now, okay. as far as trying to get Cameron Haynes in to be a professional hunter also. It's 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 kind of like we brought Nick in from up in the northern area. Right. And we're going to bring Cameron in from out in the western area. So so we'll see how it all collides and who comes out the victor. Gotcha. So it sounds like you're going to have some kind of a an event kind of like the NFL has their their combine where they bring all the the potentials to come in. Oh yeah, and, no and doubt. You, and you evaluate them how high they can jump, how 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 far they can shoot, all that kind of stuff. Oh uh, yeah. So oh yeah. So you're going to be doing something like that Michael Pitts's combine. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a compound dojo, you know, it's a little bit of everything wrapped in one. We just take the good of everything and pile it into one. Into one, and just, okay. Uh, yeah, and just, just hope we can train these guys into be professional hunters. And, you know, it, it's working out good. They're, they're, they're paying attention, doing what I say, and all that kind of stuff, so... We'll see. There's hope. There's hope. But there's a lot of hard work to to, to get to the level of pro hunter. So, <laughs> like you you go in and out of character so well. It's like it's, it's just a natural <laughs> fit for you. I love it. It's so great. <laughs> well, hey, Go ahead. I, I got to ask. Uh, what what do you think about them jeans with the the lines on the pockets on the back? Man, there there's no need for lines to be on jeans. No labels, no rips. I don't know where that's going or where this fashion trend is going, but it does not belong in the hunting industry. Uh, I don't know, maybe a frat house or you know whatever, but hunting industry doesn't need to be putting up with that mess. It's just uncalled for, and and you know it, it's unacceptable in my opinion. <laughs> would you, Would you ever buy a pair of pants with a hole in them? No, no. You know if, if my pants got a hole in them. Uh, there was a barbed wire fence somewhere around at the time that hole happened. Uh, that's the only reason I, I would never buy a pair of pants with a hole already in them. <laughs> that defeats the purpose of buying something new. Uh, so I try to avoid that at all costs. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. That's awesome. So, Michael, one of the things we want to try to dissect is, I mean, uh-huh. we're joking on all, all of this stuff. But oh, what, yeah. But what we we know you not only are you a good bow technician, but you've got to be a good hunter. You can't just hang out with Michael Waddell and Nick Munt, Naozi, and and not be a good hunter of some sort. They kind of need to be hanging around other good hunters. So oh yeah, there's would, no doubt. I would assume that you know what you're doing in the field as well. Ah, oh, I, I try my best. <laughs> so I want to I want to kind of get your your perspective on. And do you hunt all over the country, or do you kind of stick to the Georgia area? No, I hunt over. I, I hunt a good bit. I try to. I try to take a couple of trips a year with my fire department schedule. It kind of, you know, with limited vacation and all that, it depends on how long each trip is to whether I can take, you know, two or not. Uh, but it just depends on one time we were in Texas for a few weeks, so I okay. couldn't take another trip that year. But I try to get out and travel as much as I can and hunt uh, just because, I mean, everywhere you go is a different hunting 
uh, the way we hunt here in Georgia is not the way you hunt in Texas or the Midwest or, you know, the Northwest. Every place is a little different and has little different aspects about it. So it's neat learning all those different aspects. And it's also, you know, it's just, I I like to travel. I like to see new things. And so that's another reason. But yeah, I I, I try to do as much traveling as I can to hunt. Okay. Uh, But it it is a little bit limited due to my my full-time job. Yeah, I do try to do a good bit of it. So t- tell me about I some sure of your, couple of the trips you've been on. You, do, you, do you end up traveling with the, the, the fellas that, from Realtree, or do you end up doing your own thing? Uh, a little of both. Uh, I'll travel with them some and, uh, you know, do a lot of stuff here. Uh, we've been doing a Georgia show. Well, it's actually part of Road Trips and Realtree, but they do one episode. This is a Georgia show. So uh, we've been doing a lot with it the past couple of years. Uh, we've gotten a couple of good kills the past uh, we, I've been a part of it the past two years, and we've gotten a good kill both years. So it's kind of neat to show people, you know, the different areas. Because around us is not really the best deer hunting per se. Most people right. that deer hunt think of the Midwest and sure. those areas. But, you know, some people like to see just down-home hunting club hunting from time to time. And that's kind of what we do around here. So we film a good bit around here in Georgia to do that. And then I'll take a trip here or there with real tree, just whenever the option or whatever comes available. Uh, I'll jump on a plane or in a truck in a heartbeat to travel with them. What's your favorite trip you've been on with those guys? Wyoming was pretty good. Uh, year before last, that was a real fun trip. Uh, the black Hills, we went seven J outfitters out there. Uh, right outside of Sundance, and that's just some beautiful country. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw that episode, but I, I tagged out the first day, and then shenanigans started. I went into town getting massages and playing golf, <laughs> and it it, it, it uh, we had to do something to fill the time. So why not go get massages and play golf and, and, and take a video camera with you while it was all going on? So it, it was definitely a fun trip. It was it was probably one of one of my best trips ever for sure. So the massages and the golf wasn't actually staged. You actually did do that. <laughs> no, I actually did that. You know, I tagged out the first day, and they right. were like, "Well, we can find something for you to do the rest of the week." Because it was a six or seven day hunt, and so we had a lot of spare time on our hands. And sure. It kind of, you know, the uh, Daniel Thomas, one of the producers there, he he, he likes to get me in trouble. <laughs> so he got to thinking and riding around town and came back and said, we're going here, 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 here. And it, it all ended up being pretty funny, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great time traveling with those people. They're, they're great people. Uh, just really great people. They've looked after me and done a lot for me. They didn't have to do so. That's fantastic. Now, oh, yeah. one of the things I've noticed is that, uh, Michael is, kind of like a natural on the ca- on the camera. Um, oh, yes. He reminds me of Blake Shelton in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you see yeah. the comparison there between the, the two personalities? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're probably two of the most funniest guys you can ever be around. Right. Uh, just naturally, kind of what you see on TV is them in real life. There's no acting, no show. They're just, I mean, somebody's always laughing when you're around them. So the both of them, their personalities are tit for tat for sure. Uh, they they 
definitely are the life of the party, fun to be around. Uh, so, yeah, there are a lot of similarities there for sure. It's uh, it just he seems so like just natural. He's not acting. He's just delivering his lines just the way he would. And if the camera wasn't on him, that's the feel. I oh, get yeah. From yep. And I think yep. that's why people like him so much. No doubt. He's a lyrical genius. He can sit there and hammer out a saying or an interview or whatever. And I mean, he, he doesn't have to read lines or teleprompters or any of that. He can he can rattle stuff off and. He's a natural at it, and I think that's why Realtree got a hold of him so young because they saw the potential. Right. And he started with Realtree very, very young, and you know, that's pretty much the only job he's ever had been in the hunting industry. So uh, they started him out actually behind the camera for uh, a year or so and kind of saw the potential he had, his personality, how he was in front of the camera and all, and it wasn't long before he was in front of the camera full time. So. Right. I think a lot of other people saw what you were seeing. You know, he's just a a natural at everything. So, yeah, he's he's in the right spot for what he was born to do, for sure. Yeah. So when I was listening to your your show that you did with the working class bow owner, I noticed that Mm -hmm. we were talking about some of the (laughs) hunting stereotypes, and I think this is this is essentially what your character is based off of right it's like trying to find all these stereotypes that are not only out there in general or from just all these things that you kind of pick up on but also the stereotypes that might be have or might have been created by Mm -hmm. the very characters that the real tree folks are are becoming or even though they're not really characters they're just being themselves but still you're looking at the stereotypes that they're building for themselves um Oh yeah. Let's talk about some of those stereotypes that you've kind of recognized uh-huh. as you started doing this. Anything that pops into your mind? I, you know, there's so many stereotypes, so it's hard to really focus on one. I mean, we sat down and hammered out a list of probably 50. And I think that's kind of why we chose to go this route with the social media and do what we're doing is because the list is pretty much endless is material to get. And, I mean, you, you can think of anything and everything to just sit there and, and talk about and make fun of. And that's all we're doing is, you know, some people take it personal on both ends. Some people, you know, ah, this guy, he's probably never killed a turkey in his life. And then some people are behind you going, yeah, I don't agree with that stuff at all. You know, so it, it's it's not based on a right or a wrong. It's just based on having fun with what's going on in the right. in the hunting industry. Because I'll be the first to tell you, I'm guilty of everything we've done except CrossFit. <laughs> uh, I don't hang out in the gym very much. Gotcha. But, yeah, it, it's stuff we all do, and we're just making light of the situation and want everybody to get a good laugh about it. You know, it's not meant to hurt anybody's feelings or or anything. It's just meant to point out some stereotypes and have fun with it and and hopefully get a laugh out of everybody. Just the whole reason we're doing it. Comedic parodies is basically what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. That's that's all it is. And you can't make fun of yourself, you know, uh, Hey, that's what I say. I'm making fun of myself on just about everything we do. Yeah. Uh, and that's where half the material comes from. It's stuff we've been involved with or we've done or, 
you know, we'll sit down and do a little writing session and crash ideas off each other. And, you know, most of it's stuff we've done or been a part of. Yeah. So, and who's we? Who's yeah. who's involved in the creation? Oh, you know, Daniel Thomas and Philip Culpepper pretty much headed up a lot of it. They're two of Real Trees producers. Uh, uh, Stephen McNelly's helped out a good bit, you know, as far as things go. And it's just whoever's around, whoever's free, we kind of just just sit around and crash ideas off each other and then go film them. So, you know, there there's several people that are kind of involved with this project. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it's worked out good and we're having fun with it. Hope everybody else enjoys watching it. <laughs> uh, hope, hope too many people don't take it personal, but, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You can't make 100% of everybody happy. So, you know, we we try to do our best and keep it on a positive light note and hope everybody enjoys it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really fantastic stuff. What, let's talk a little bit, let's get a little technical here. And I know this isn't necessarily yeah. the direction now, in the bow shop. What are some of the things that you look to, to tune up bows for yourself or for T-bone or whoever else needs it? What, what, are, what type of technology are you using? What kind of bows are you looking at? Yeah. Tell me about some of your, yeah. your, life in the bow shop? Well, technology has come so far from what it was just even 10, 12 years ago. Uh, bows today are a lot more easier to shoot. Uh, a lot of people kind of shy away from bow hunting or the archery world because they think it's hard or they think they can't, can't pick it up very quickly. But, you know, archery as a whole, I mean, I can take somebody who's never shot a bow take them off the streets, work with them a little bit, and within one day, having them hitting a softball pretty much every time at 20 yards. Uh, so, you know, the technology has come so far. It, it's the main deal. Uh, but, you know, the main thing as far as setting them up is making sure they're timed right, making sure the refs are timed right, uh, you know, just bolting on all the accessories, the the tuning and the paper tuning and all is is the stuff that's mainly clutch, you know, making sure the air is leaving the bow properly. Uh, and there are many ways to do that. You know, you've got Hoyt, Matthews, Bowtech, you know, all these different companies, and all of them are kind of their own beast and set up a little different. So you kind of got to be well-versed and know a little bit about all the companies. But, you know, it, it's just... A day in the bow shop's pretty fun. Uh, it's a hobby of mine. I built the shop in my garage just so I could tinker with them whenever I wanted to. Uh, but yeah, I'd say the biggest, you know, the biggest thing with the archery world now is how far technology's come. It, it almost gets to the point where you don't know what they can come up with next because everything's so perfect. But yep, average day in the shop just grinding them out. Sometimes till four in the morning. <laughs> gotcha. Dusty, you want to kind of jump in here a little bit and, and, and maybe ask Michael some of his opinions of some of the the bow equipment that's out there and, and what he thinks is we should and should not look for? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, you guys pretty uh, – what what kind of bows do you focus on, Michael? Uh, I'm a big Hoyt guy. Okay, so uh, you're a Hoyt. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, uh, what, sure. What's new for Hoyt out there? What, what we got going as far as 2016 for compound bows? 2016 is uh, kind of a unique year because everything has changed from the riser to the limbs to the cams. Uh, it's a whole new bow. Uh, so, you know, lots of years they just add 
one new thing or, you know, a couple of new things to the scenario, but this year's kind of unique in that the whole bow has changed. Uh, I actually got one of my new ones in today and was kind of playing with it uh, when we started this interview. So it's it's going to be a good year. I'm liking everything I've seen of the new bows so far. Uh, One thing they introduced a few years ago was the turbo model, which uh, their turbo models are going to be your speed bow, and it is the most uh, pleasant speed bow to shoot that that I've ever shot. I've never been a speed person that likes speed bows, but for the past two years now, I've shot their turbos because I like them so much. Usually when you get a speed bow, you deal with a rough draw cycle. There's a lot of noise, vibration in the bow. Uh, There are a lot of kind of negative things that follow that speed bow hype that I've never really liked. But Hoyt has found a way to put everything together and make it a very comfortable, fast bow. And I've been a fan of it. It's very forgiving, very smooth draw. Uh, Just everything about it's good. So, you know, that's where I've been kind of leaning to uh, the past couple of years is with their turbos. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question. When you say speedbow, break that down for mm-hmm. us and explain why the name's there. Uh, your speedbows, there's, you know, one, one of the ways, there, there are a couple of ways they get the speed. One, they make the cam a little more radical. And two, they shorten the brace height to the bow so you get that extra little bit of stroke, which in, improves the speed. Uh, it's ways they're getting the speed. And in doing that, it kind of makes the uh, draw cycle a little rough, and it also makes the bow a little bit less forgiving because the more brace height you have, the more forgiving the bow is. So you're kind of being cheated in a couple of areas, and that's always kind of been the way they've been able to find the speed is to make the radical uh, cams and shorten the brace height way up. But Hoyt's actually found a way... They actually run the center pivot of their bow back behind the limb bolt. So the bow actually functions more as a, a deflexive riser as far as a reflexive riser. And the deflexive risers are a lot more forgiving. So Hoyt's found a lot of ways to to make the speed bows function more like a regular bow. And uh, it's just kind of been a home run. They've got a real forgiving, fast, easy to shoot, easy to draw speedboat. And, you know, it's firing 350 feet a second. So it's a, it's a killer for sure. Right. Gotcha. Is it, would it be safe to say that a speedboat is for a more experienced shooter? Uh, I wouldn't say more experienced shooter. You know, you've got, and this is a, this is a battle that will never end, you know, speed versus other things. Uh, so, you know, speed bow doesn't, it, you can definitely be better with it if you're more experienced for sure. But you'll see a lot of people, a lot of, you know, entry level people, you know, wanting to shoot the speed bows also. So I don't say it has a set following that speed tends to grab a little bit of everybody from your your novice to intermediate to even you know advanced people so there's no particular area it's just more of a you know some people like fast cars some people like four-wheel drive trucks you know it's kind of that deal right yeah that's that's a great way to put it though really michael that's that's probably one of the most ingenious uh, responses to that that uh some well, people, but, but some people like a full drive. Some people like a. Oh yeah, right. That makes sense. Uh, 
Okay, let, let's get into a little bit about. Okay, I'm, I'm walking into your shop. Uh, I'm, I'm the uh-huh. average hunter. Uh, I'm looking to buy a new bow. Set me up. Let's uh-huh. walk through what kind of bow, what kind of rest, what kind of peep sight, what kind of arrows. Yeah. So let's let's run the whole cycle on a new bow. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing you want to find out, you know, basically is what their budget is. Uh, you know, Hoyt kind of offers three different price points to where you know they can they can actually you know. Uh, hopefully fit into everybody's budget. And, you know, the first thing you want to do is find out what kind of budget they got and then, you know, just suggest the the bow that fits that budget. And then, you know, as far as accessories, your your major accessories, of course, are going to be your sight, your rest, release, arrows, uh, stabilizers and wrist slings. Uh, you know, I always tell people that are coming in and starting a new setup and all, you kind of want to focus all your money on the bow, the rest, and the release because those are the three things that execute the shot. Uh, Sights, I can aim by gluing a a toothpick on the riser of the bow. And, you know, stabilizers nowadays, the the bows are balanced so well and vibration-free, you could almost get by without shooting a stabilizer now. So those are the three areas you want to really, really concentrate on. you know, I, I'm big, you know, of course, the Hoyt Bow is my favorite, of course. Uh, QAD Rest, uh, the Ultra Rest is one of the best drop-away rests out there on the market. I, I pretty much test them all, and you just can't find a better rest. So I'm real high on that rest. Uh, you know, Hoyt's got a great new stabilizer out there that, that's really good that I'm going to go to this year. Uh, Sight-wise, I'm usually back and forth. This year, I'm going to be shooting an Excel. It's that new adjustable that they've got out. I'm going to give it a whirl for its money. Hopefully, it'll be in in about a week. But, you know, I, I pretty much won't sell you anything I wouldn't shoot myself. But, you know, the, the, the best things, like I say, to concentrate on if you're new and going in to get a bow or even experienced in getting a bow is, you know, focus on the bow itself, the rest and uh, release and make sure those three are good and top notch and you can skip, you know, skimp a little bit of money on, on the other side. Gotcha. That, that's a good perspective to put it to kind of mm-hmm. break down, uh, you know, where somebody's yeah. looking to buy a bow and, and maybe not having the knowledge of what they really should be focusing on. Let's mm-hmm. get a little bit about arrows and, and fine tuning and timing on a bow. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that. You know, arrows is, you know, a lot of a lot about errors, and this is another argument. There are a lot of arguments in archery, but it's heavier light. You know, a lot of people like to shoot the light arrow to pick their speed up. A lot of people like to shoot the heavier errors. One there's, you know, a little bit quieter in flight. You get better penetration. Uh, you know, there, there's a little bit more advantages, in my opinion, to going with the heavier arrow. But like I say, that's an argument all day long again. But... You know, you kind of want to find what kind of weight the customer wants to deal with, and, and then you've got to determine what kind of spine they need based off the length of the arrow and what kind of poundage they're pulling. And then you kind of break it down. You know, uh, Easton and Beeman run kind of a 340, 400, 500 spine, and basically that's the stiffness of the arrow. So if you're shooting real heavy poundage bow, like a 70-pound bow, you want to be with a 340 spine, something that's a little stiffer and can take the the force uh, of the bow. And then the less poundage you shoot, of course, you'll start walk walk you know kind of walking your way up to a 500 spine arrow. So there is kind of a 
a good bit of, I, I guess, you know, knowledge. And each each company's got a chart that will measure your arrow and how many pounds you're shooting. And that chart will tell you whether you want a 340, 400, 500 spine. But every every company kind of name, names their spines a little different. Uh, but I'm pretty much most familiar with the, the Beeman Easton lines. That's all I've ever shot. And pretty much I'll ever sell unless, you know, somebody specifically asks for something different. But, yeah, yeah, errors are, are a big deal. That That's another another argument all in itself what kind what weight all that good stuff right but right. you know yeah and, and that all goes into the paper tuning because you could have a bow that is perfectly in tune rest is right and everything but you put the wrong spine air in there and it's not going to fly right you'll get a tear in the paper and that lets you know the air is not leaving the bow in a straight line so you know errors can be the problem of a bow not being you, you know, the bow's perfect, but it's the arrow wrong. So when you're getting a tear in the paper, you kind of got to think about the arrow, the timing of the bows, you know, timing of the rest. Lots of times there's a lot of troubleshooting that goes on, you know, trying to find out where your problem is and what you need to do to fix it. So it, it gets deep at times. <laughs> I, 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 how do you discover what the what the issue is? Uh, basically, I'll just, you know, if I'm getting a tear, you know, it, it, it's just kind of an elimination aspect of anything. First thing I might do is check the timing of the bow. Uh, second thing I might do is check the timing of the rest to make sure it's timed right. Uh, if I can't work it out through there, I'll check the spine of the arrow, uh, make sure the spine's comparable to the bow. And, you know, it, it, even if... That's not the case. Lots of times I'll just try a different arrow because sometimes knock alignment or something might be wrong. If you're shooting an arrow that incorporates aluminum, it might be bent a little bit. So you just kind of, it's a process of elimination. There's no really specific thing you need to start with first. You just need to start trying to to look at what could be going wrong and slowly eliminate them. And sometimes that can take a long time. So. Right. What, what you always get that one that'll give you grease, and it seems like you work on it for a solid day. Right, for sure. What's a what's what's a recommended poundage for a, a, a whitetail hunter to be drawing on their bow? Ah, uh, you know, pretty much everybody shoots. You know, most most of your adults will shoot a seventy pound limb, which is good from sixty pounds to seventy pounds. You've got ten pounds uh, adjustment in that limb. And that's typically what you see with most of your average, you know, day-to-day deer hunters. And pretty much 70 pounds is enough to, to really kill anything in the world. I mean, Ted Nugent only shoots 50 pounds and has for ages now. And he's killed stuff all over the world. Uh, it's more about shot placement than it is anything. You want to be comfortable with what you've got. And you see a lot of macho ego people out there that feel like they need to be pulling max weight and they're aiming at squirrels trying to draw the bow back. And that's not the kind of stuff you want. Uh, you want to be able to sit seated in a chair, hold the bow out in front of you and draw it straight back and be very comfortable. Uh, and, and I'm seeing a lot of people with the technology that's gone up and bows have become more efficient and faster. You're actually seeing a lot of people decreasing in poundage now because they can shoot the same speed they used to out of their old bows, but shoot it at less poundage and be more comfortable. 
So you're seeing a lot of that now. A lot of people are buying turbos and gating them down to about 55, 60 pounds, and they're still getting great, great airspeed. So, you know, I, I would typically say the best sellers are no doubt, you know, probably your, your adult men. I'd say 90% of them are in a 70-pound bow and will, you know, go back from 60 to 70, whichever fits, fits that individual the best. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. makes sense. And, and just something, whatever you're comfortable with is kind of where you're going. With yeah. That. Yeah, definitely. You got to be comfortable. You know, you, you've absolutely, because a lot of people don't take into account that when you sit idle in a tree in 12 degree weather for hours at a time, uh, it takes on a whole new aspect to pulling back a bow at that moment. And that's why you need to be very comfortable because I, I, I know people that have gone to stands before and sat there idle in cold weather and then not been able to pull their bow back uh, because just elements change. You know, it's all fine and dandy when you're shooting on a warm day outside and all that kind of stuff. But when you've been idle in cold situations and all works in, it, it can be a totally different story. And you don't want to ruin a hunt and, or miss your chance at great deer because you couldn't pull your bow back. So... But you're seeing a lot of people kind of kind of come down on poundage a, lot, a little bit nowadays because of the efficiency of the bows. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that guy that's dang near grunting when he pulls it back. That's my favorite to watch. Oh, I'm <laughs> telling you, they're aiming at everything in the sky, struggling to try to get it back. And you know that that's definitely not the way to be. It's no, there's no comfort in it, and there's no fun in shooting that way. I would rather see somebody shooting less poundage at a comfortable rate and enjoying it than than just trying to struggle with that macho chest out mentality. (laughs) The macho chest shooter. Yes, we all know know one of those, that's for sure. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Exactly. Mike, let's go back um, to the Wyoming hunt if we could. I'd like to kind of break this down a little bit. Um, Yeah. Tell me about how that trip all kind of developed. I want to get get into the actual hunt itself, but how did it start? Oh, I don't know. We we were actually just, I think we were eating lunch somewhere, and David Blanton asked me if I wanted to go out there. Uh, and, of course, uh, I, I said yes, first of all. Uh, <laughs> when do you want me to go? Right. And let, let's schedule it right now. And you really don't have to even ask. Just just right. go ahead and sign me up. Yeah, just let's get this done before you change your mind, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. And that's the area, you know, that I really wanted to hunt anyhow. So, you know, that's how it kind of all materialized. And next thing you know, you're jumping on a plane and heading that way. Okay. So you're on a plane. What? Where did you fly out of? I fly out of Atlanta. Okay. Yep. Atlanta. What kind of plane did you take out there? Uh, Delta. Delta. Yep. Right. It was a Delta. Yeah, it sure was. And then we flew into Rapid City uh, and then took took vehicles over into Sundance gotcha. is what we did. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And this outfitter was something that there was a place that Nick used to hang out at, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Nick actually used to guide there. Yes, that's uh, what I was saying. So he actually came out there and hunted with us a couple of days when we were out there. He was out in the area also. So. Okay. He actually stopped in while we were out there. But, yeah, Nick used to work there, sure did. All right. So tell me how, about the, the accommodations. You know, what did how did it go once you got off the plane and you jumped on the vehicle? Oh, shoot. Accommodations are, are great. Uh, you know, we, we had a couple of the guides pick us up at the airport. And, 
we went straight to the lodge over right outside of Sundance, and Seven J's got a unreal lodge. Uh, it's just it's almost five star uh, accommodations. Uh, Jeff and Deb that own it and run the operation are just great people. You, you get to eat home cooked meals, and they treat you like family. And uh, it, it's a it's a different hunting style out there. Uh, you know, because you're, you're hunting those big old alfalfa fields. So you're kind of in the morning times, you're catching them coming from the fields back to the woods and then vice versa in the evening times. And uh, lots of times out there early season, which one I killed was in velvet. You know, if you kill within the first few days, you got a good chance of killing a velvet deer, probably better than anywhere else out there. So gotcha. it's, what time yeah, of year was this? Uh, we were there for opening day, September 1. September? Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, really, that's real early. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was real early. We actually flew out there, you know, a couple of days early just to get settled in, shoot the bows. Uh, David pretty much starts off his hunt every year at 7J. Okay. So, uh, you know, they take a big group out there, and, you know, it, it's just uh, it's probably it, it's a really, really fun time. David said it's probably his favorite hunt every year is to do that hunt because everybody's itching yeah everybody's itching to get the stand and it's such a great place great people okay uh it's unreal out there so tell me about how you kind of plan for this hunt it's i mean you're there you're at the lodge was there a Mm -hmm. like a a pre-game um you know let's let's lay down some of the the strategies that we're going to apply here when we're going out where we're going how you who's going where kind of thing tell me about that yeah, there's uh, they actually have guides out there, and I mean, the, the guides work very hard. Even when they drop you off to go to your stand, they're going to other areas and glass and fields to try to find more deer. So the, the guides really, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the guides put in in tremendous amount of work uh, to find the deer for the customer. So they're, okay. they're kind of a the heroes behind the scene as far as a lot of the kills you see because they study these animals day in, day out. They know where they are, what they're going to do. And, you know, they're watching wind directions and, you know, pretty much deciding which stand and where you need to be going because, you know, they've got multiple, multiple stands set up in each area, but due to wind, due to where the deer are migrating at the time, because lots of times you can sit there and watch and they'll glass in the evenings and watch where a big buck goes in the woods to bed. Well, I mean, and once they, once they figure out these locations, they'll put you in a stand site close to that location. So they kind of, they kind of do a lot of the work for you and, and they, they put in the hours. I'll say okay. that. All right. So what was their plan for you? You put me on a big old monster buck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, did, but uh, would they? Uh, yeah, they get you set up. How? What time of the morning did you have to get up? I get up pretty early out there. If I remember correctly, we were getting up about three forty-five, four o'clock every morning. Okay, and you know, getting up, eating a little breakfast. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you got to get there a little bit earlier when you got a cameraman because you sure. know they've got to get stuff up in the tree. So you got to leave a little bit earlier when you're you're filming and that kind of deal and you know it's get up early eat breakfast uh pack everything in the trucks and then the guides will take you out to your locations and and uh find you the best area where you need to be are you you hunting out of 
high stands or, or stands or um, high uh, yeah, like usually tripods? lock-ons. Lock-ons. Uh, usually lock-ons. Okay. They're best, yeah, they're best for bow hunting. Okay. Uh, you know, they work really, really well for bow hunting. So most, if you're bow hunting, most of the time you'll be in some lock-ons or some ladder stands, but primarily lock-ons is, is what you'll use. Okay. All right. So they got you up early, gave you some breakfast, started hauling all the, the crap you got to bring with you to film a hunt. And then uh, oh, yeah. they put you out in a, a, a hang on. Uh-huh. And tell me about how that how that hunt unfolded. You're out pre-sunrise, I would assume. Oh, yeah, yeah, out pre-sunrise. Actually, that morning, uh, we had a close encounter. Uh, we had we had one deer coming in, and he came up to the fence. And if he would have hopped it right there, he would have come right in front of us. But for some reason, he went up the fence line and crossed and went in behind us. So we, we had a close encounter that morning. And he, he was he was a pretty big deer. And then we came out of stand, regrouped, went back, ate lunch, got a little nap for what I like to call a power nap or a siesta or whatever. Sure. Then went out for that afternoon and we went up into the wood portion uh and trying to catch them and we we hadn't been in the stand but about probably we were probably there maybe an hour and he started coming out. And pretty much right there, he played the script to a T, and we shot him at about 15 yards. And he didn't make it far, collapsed, and end of story. Gotcha. It, it was a good textbook hunt, over-the-shoulder shot. So, Just started working his way through the thick stuff out to an opening kind of thing? and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they'll come out, you know, they'll come out of the timber in the evening times and yeah. start easing out towards the fields to right. feed and like I say, it's kind of reversed, it, it, you know, in the mornings. I get confused half the time which way the deer are going and coming from, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, most of the time in the in your evening sits, you'll sit in the timber catching them coming from the timber out into the fields. And then, you know, the morning is kind of vice versa. You're facing the fields in the morning, catching them going back in the woods to their bedding areas. So, you know, your your morning sets and evening sets are going to be a little different just due to where the deer are coming from. Gotcha. All right. Very good. So it sounds like it was uh, nothing that you had to work for too much. You, you know, took a nap and back out, and which is why they ended exactly. up ended up getting uh, going golfing and going to the spa and getting pedicures and you know the That's rest right. of the trip. Yeah, but totally understand. I, I had yeah, I had six days to enjoy sun dance, so. I, I made the best out of it for sure. I'm not going to sit there and watch TV or whatever. I I, I'm, no. I'm going out. To, I'm going out to see what Sundance has to offer. Is what I'm going to do. That's right. And that's pretty much what we did. <laughs> Might as well take it in while you're while you're there. Totally get that. That's right. right that's so, right. That's part of the fun of traveling so, and hunting on these trips. So you, you've been on a podcast before. You're on our show here mm-hmm. today. You, have you been listening to many podcasts? Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to to a few of them here and there. It's kind of new to me because I I didn't know, you know, a whole lot of this was out there until I started getting involved with some of this uh, social media stuff with uh, Realtree. I I really didn't realize how big social media was until I got involved with all this. You know, and they're telling me about Instagram and Facebook and all this other stuff, and I'm like, well, shoot, let's, let's run with it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't really, really know 
a whole lot about the social media aspect. And, you know, this was something that came up was doing some of these podcasts and I've really enjoyed them. You know, they, it, it's a neat, fun deal. Yeah. What, what do you think we could improve on? Oh, I think y'all are doing great to be honest with you. I, I don't see any improvements needed. Really? Okay. You know, five, five star is what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're going five star, like right on iTunes, like right away. It, exactly. You wow. know, I, you know, it, some, some folks like McDonald's and some folks like a filet and, and y'all are kind of a filet. So, you know, uh, it, it, all the podcasts I've done has been great. I, I don't, I, I don't really know of how you could improve on me. You know, it's, it's, it's all a learning experience. Gotcha. All right. On. Yeah. I, I got a question for, for Michael J and, uh, all right. Who's the better hunter? Out of you, Waddell, Mont, and T-Bone. Well, you know, I don't know, but no, nobody meets beats the sensei in the dojo, and I own the dojo, so that explains it all. You know, you can't get beat at your own game, and right. it's kind of my game. So, uh, getting beat at that would be embarrassing. So, assuming okay, so you're up on the upper echelon, and, and I don't disagree with you there. What if you had to like look at the other three? What areas should do they need to improve on to get better? I, 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 there's there's always improvement with anybody. I mean, I'll go as far as to even say with myself. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the others. That's what this is about. But uh, you know, Nick needs to stop abusing equipment. Pretty okay. much. Okay. That, that we've got to work on that. You know, that's one of the issues we're working on at the dojo. Okay. Uh, you know, Waddell, I, I would have to say, you know, he's pretty proficient at everything. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've got to get him to stop saying so many of those stupid phrases. And, you know, we're kind of working on toning that down a little bit to yeah. give him a different image. Uh, you know, right. But, That'll probably but, give him more focus in the woods. If he's just yeah. thinking about all those phrases, he's constantly yep. running through his head. Yep. I'm with you. Exactly. And you know, it's more with him. It's more of a classroom portion of everything versus field ops. Uh, right, so, right. you know, we're trying to work on his mental game more than his physical game, uh, per se. Gotcha. Gotcha. In more classroom yeah. time, uh, ruler exactly. over the knuckles if he gets out of line kind of stuff. Oh, oh, oh no doubt. No right, doubt. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Travis, uh, we just, right now, we're hooking electrodes up to Cheeto's bags. So when he touches them, it shocks him mm. and try to mentally uh, wean him off Cheeto's right now. Okay. Because he's got a bad problem of getting them all over his fingers and all, and when he hits his release, it slips, making for improficient shots. So we're trying to wean him off Cheetos right now. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And, and I'm sure that's a work in progress right there alone. If you so, t- if you took a black light to one of yeah. his bow and arrows, it'd probably be scattered with Cheeto crumbs. Oh, all right. over it. All over it. All over it. And deer, oh, yeah. deer yeah. can sense that stuff. Yeah, they can. Right. They can so actually sense Cheetos. You get rid of the Cheetos, you increase yeah, T-Bone's we, game in the woods, just like exactly. that. Exactly. You increase his game, you increase his shot proficiency. 
there's a lot of things that can gain from him leaving the Cheetos alone. Right, right. So that's what we're trying to do. You know, we'll pour hot sauce all in one bag so he takes a bite and throws them away, or we'll hook electricity up to one bag so it shocks and just little mental notes and day-to-day activities that will turn him away yeah. from the Cheetos bag. Yeah, yeah. So, from what I heard, so those are yeah. Latest studies show that whitetails can see yellow dye number five better than any that's other right. dye known to man. From what that, I heard, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm understanding the same thing, and that's once again reasons to wean him off the Cheetos. Yeah. So. Yep, but those are the three, those are the one issue with each of the three we're concentrating on right now in the dojo. Gotcha. All right. So, well, yeah. Keep keep doing yeah. the, the good good work with those guys because, you know, you, we've seen them start out uh, just kind of nobodies. Now they're becoming somebody, but clearly That's right. you've, you've had an influence on their career. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't know where it was going to go until they stepped into my dojo, and I'm, I'm – I'm giving them a, a path to follow, and it's going good so far. I see good things coming out of it. Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. 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 Keep up yeah. the good work. What's that, Dustin? What's that? You keep up the good work, Michael. You're, you're doing it for them. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying. It's a full-time job. It's a full-time job, and, you know, the more my name gets out there, the more people I'm getting, and I just don't have a, enough time to go around, and that's why we're taking some of the select few the ones we think we can do the best with, uh, you know, and that's why we're building mountains right now in Georgia for Cameron Haynes. Uh, you know, we're taking the lead and trying to push them to that next level and introduce them to the stardom of a pro hunter. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think that's, a, that's good. You know, you've, you've got, you got the skill and the will and, you know, just the, the natural ability skill is what you teach them. The, the will right. is, is their mindset. And then that's right. There's their God-given ability, which is just the, the pure talent. So you know these guys got probably all the pure talent, but without your 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 uh, aid of helping them focus and giving them the skill set, uh-huh. then then they they got nothing. That's right. And I, I kind of want you to come to my dojo and write that whole last paragraph on the wall because that's great motivation mm-hmm. for these up and coming pro hunters. Well, I like that. I dig that. So. I have another idea, Michael. I think probably at deer camp, uh-huh. we should put your face, um, like one of those those um, fathead cutouts, and uh-huh. as they're, uh-huh. as they're walking out the door, they'll uh-huh. they'll slap the top of the door, slap your face for that, you know that yeah. motivator, that motivate like that, that, football that teams that, do that when they leave the locker room. They should be doing exactly. that when they leave the clubhouse. Exactly, no doubt. Same we thing. might have to work on that. Right. Might have to work on that. Right. Where would them That's guys? Very true. Th- tell us where you think them guys would be without you. Uh Seven Elevens, truck stops, uh, high school janitors. Uh, you know, the list yeah. goes on and on. Uh, you know, uh, researching algae and ponds could be one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but we're working on it and. They'll be making the big bucks. Probably so, like bird studies, you know, getting out of the swamps yeah. and counting the number of birds they see. Exactly. Yeah. Worried about what kind of binoculars they want to go bird watching with, right. that kind yeah, of right. deal. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're definitely on the path to stardom. So, yeah, well, it's, 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 it's going to work out good. 
That's awesome. Michael, I've got a, a rapid-fire 10 questions for you if you're ready. Oh, Lordy, here we go. All right. What's your number one hunting tip of all time? Oh, play the wind. Play the wind. Everybody says that. That's got to be a good oh, one. Oh, that's a big one, yep. big one. All right, so you were, we all have these things that we have to bring in the woods with us. They're usually good luck charms. Sometimes they're actually an apparatus that helps us hunt better, but generally they just make you feel better. And uh, it drives you nuts if you leave it in your truck. You feel completely naked without it. What's that one uh, thing for you that you need to have in the woods with you when you go hunting? Uh, Copenhagen. Copenhagen. <laughs> 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 a, li- a little dip will do you. I got it. That, that's exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> that's, a pr- that's probably one of the better ones we've ever heard, Jay. First time anybody's <laughs> ever said Copenhagen on this show. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Figures Michael Pitts would be the first guy to say the word Copenhagen on the Big Buck Registry <laughs> Deer Hunting Podcast. That's funny. Um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Who in the as far as myself? Yeah, just literally, what's the one thing that drives you insane if somebody does it? Probably something somebody, that you know one of your your students might do that drives you crazy. I just come to the woods unprepared with a bad bow setup. Gotcha. That, that's something that would irk me pretty pretty bad, definitely, because I'm almost OCD about bows. So <laughs> right. if, if your equipment is not up to date and done right, that, that is definitely a pet peeve of mine. And what constitutes definitely. a bad set? Like what, at this point, I mean, the technology has been pretty good for quite a few years. When, when is yeah. it a bad set? I don't know. Just D-loops tied wrong, peeps tied wrong, uh rest not tied in right uh, you can look at a bow and, and tell pretty quickly if it's done right or not and that bad works that people mind big it, time it, almost better to send it to a professional tech to get it set up and then not try to do it at home unless you know what you're doing oh yeah definitely definitely okay. Okay. definitely right. yeah yeah definitely try to try to get it somebody that knows a little bit about bows for sure okay gotcha <laughs> Um, how old are you today, Michael? I am 38. All right. So what would the 38-year-old Michael Pitts tell the 16-year-old Michael Pitts, knowing what you know now about life? Oh, gosh. Oh, that, that's a tough question. That's, I'm going to go ahead and say that is a tough question. Yes, uh, it is. I, I would probably say focus more on the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, yes. Moving on. I think what, we just stumped Michael Pitts. I think Jay. we might have stumped him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're at a hunting convention. You meet a stranger in the lobby of the hotel. You strike up a conversation, and they ask uh-huh. you, what do you do for a living? What do you say? Uh, I say I'm a man of many hats is what I say uh, because I got about three jobs. So, And then I just rattle the three jobs off because the there's no one that I dislike or like more than the other, so list is not important as far as where you start and where you end, but definitely man of many hats. Gotcha. Stay busy. All right. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, I had a sausage and cheese biscuit. Oh, the, yep. the southern sausage and cheese. The southern yes. sausage and cheese biscuits. I love those. They're absolutely... You, you can't, you can't beat them. You got to have sweet tea with it. I had a big old yeah. large sweet tea and okay. up around jaw. That's that. I just up there. I can't find my sweet tea like I can down here. I, the, the, it just doesn't come out of the spouts up here. I don't know what it is. Exactly. 
And that's kind of a pet peeve of mine, too, when I'm traveling and can't find sweet tea. That, that's Sometimes I end up carrying my own little bag of sugar around so I can spice it up. Yeah. I don't know where that line is, but as you move north along the eastern seaboard, there there's <laughs> exactly. a line somewhere around Pennsylvania, I think, where it just stops. <laughs> you, sweet tea is. supply has been cut off. Oh, yeah. You ask for sweet tea and you get that look, and it's like, ah, I forgot where I am. Sweet tea, huh? What does that mean? Yeah. Yep. What is that? Yeah. Boy, I, 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 I'm a sucker for good sweet tea. Even though I'm on this oh, yeah. low-carb diet. Boy, man, that stuff still, <laughs> still like it. Um, let's yep. see. All right. You get your own billboard. Blank canvas, uh-huh. big billboard on the side of a highway. What does it say? Oh, uh, I, I, I would have to say for me, never stop trying. That's what it's got to say. That's what it's got to say. Okay. Good one. All right. If I say the word successful to you, who's the first person that pops into your head and why? Uh, Britney Spears. <laughs> okay. Why? I, I don't know. She just popped she into just my head did. when you said, <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't explain that one, but maybe we shouldn't, said, let's not try to explain that one. That one's rough. Yeah. Let's don't, let's go next question. Yeah, next question. All right. What's yeah. a, what's a day in the life of Michael Pitts look like? Uh, lots of times all over the place. Uh, a day in the life could start off like today. A day in the life of Michael Pitts was I started off and turkey hunted this morning. And then I went down to Realtree for a lunch meeting and down there. And then I went and fixed an electrical fence around our bird field. And then I came here and started this interview with y'all. So it's gotcha. randomly scattered pretty much every day. Uh, when you're deer hunting, what's a day in the life of deer hunting? I think we probably jumped on that when we talked about your Wyoming hunt. Sounds like that's kind of oh, yeah, the way it yeah. happens. Yeah, definitely. You get up early, you go to the tree, you know, you sit as long as you can or until the deer stop moving and climb down, get you a little bite for lunch. And then there's always got to be the power nap involved. Got to get a little shut eye, recoup, regain, and then head back out to the woods and sit for a morning. Well, the afternoon set, sit till dark. That's pretty much it, day in, day out. Got it. All right, I said 10 questions. I've got one other one. So I'm going to make it it 11. All right. Bring it on. What's a training day in the life of Sensei Michael Pitts when you're training some of the most potentially great hunters in America? And, you know, that starts off way before daylight. Uh First of all, you don't eat breakfast on a day uh, to burn extra calories, and you hold off. You know, the, the first training session, sometimes we start with uh, mental or classroom sessions, Some, you know, because it's still dark outside. We start hours, hours before the sun even comes up, so we try to... We try to hit the classroom portions first, and then once the sun does come up, we move out to the field. Uh, and, and lots of times that's rigorous training, depending on what aspects we're looking at. Uh, each pro hunter has their different, you know, uh, strong points per se, and that's what we try to focus on. Then for lunch, uh, we all pack up and go to McDonald's, and mm. they, they've all got to order off the uh, kids' menu. Right, right. Uh, for personal reasons, and I, I see your strategy there. I think that that's a, that's a good test of the student. Right, I get it. Exactly, you know, because lots of times in the field, food might not be readily available if you get 
caught in some of these right. life or death scenarios. So I'll try to wean them off the food as much as possible. Yeah. You get a storm yeah. that comes in over the mountains. So the Rockies, you're out oh, there yeah. on a high peak you're locked oh, yeah. down for two, three days. You got to be ready. Exactly. I mean, you might be eating whale blubber, so you, you never know. You never know. So, you know, you kind of keep them to a, a happy meal. Right. And then you, you'll you'll go back out into the field and, and train more on every aspect, and then pretty much uh, night falls and we don't stop. Then uh, we pretty much stay up and try to uh, focus on their ability to concentrate in a uh, sleep deprived atmosphere, basically. Right. Right. And uh, then they get about thirty minutes sleep and we start over again. Okay. That so, sounds yep. like uh, an an intense regimen um, that only the best of the best can participate in. Do they get any R and R? Do they get to go into like jacuzzis or you know? Um, do they get uh, go into spas or anything like that? Or are they pretty much locked down? Uh, pretty much locked down. We got a big muck puddle out back, you know. Okay, All right. uh, that's that's about their only option as far as water goes. You know. And when do you send them packing? Like when the, when do they get the, the when do they get their red ticket to say, all right, you're out of here. You didn't make the cut. Uh, when they disagree with me on anything, anything. Okay. Uh, they, yeah, yeah, anything at all that they disagree with me about, they but they're gone. Gotcha. So you know that's why we only deal with the elite. You ever you ever get involved where where you start like you just take you isolate out one of them because they've done something that's extremely incorrect, and you just run them extra all all weekend long like everybody else is on leave for the weekend or something like that and you bring them in but you keep that one person behind to just put them through the ring to put them through the test to make sure they're of the right material to make it through this program to the point where you're screaming i want your dor i want your dor drop on request and and just to make mm-hmm. sure that they're they're cut out they're of the right mold has that ever happened yeah, you know yeah, I used to try some of those training techniques and all, but then it was taking up too much of my time. Right. So now I just send them back and, you know, right. and bring gotcha. in the next person Don't instead even, of wasting yep. time trying to rehabilitate a, a lost soul. So, you know, I pretty much send them back and bring in the next the the next person that I don't have to put all that extra effort into. Gotcha. So, right. Good yeah. policy. Completely oh, yeah. agree. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Hey, Michael, this That's has been right. an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight. Oh yeah, it's I love love jumping in and out of character and just <laughs> walking down these <laughs> these stories and making stuff up. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, 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 really yeah. good stuff. Mike, for hours. Dusty, you got any other questions for Michael before we let him go? Uh, I'm, I'm half scared to ask any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Where can we find you at, Michael? If somebody wants to look you up on the internet or social media, where, where can we find you at? Oh, my Facebook page is Michael Pitts Outdoors. Uh, my Instagram account is The Real Pitts. And then, let me see here. I'm trying to keep all the social media straight because I, I, I'm new to it. And then you can go to YouTube uh, under Michael Pitts Outdoors also and see all the video clips we've been filming. Uh, if you type in in the search, just Michael Pitts Outdoors, it'll take you straight to it. And it's under Realtree Outdoors uh, stuff also. But, yep, those are the three ways you can keep up with everything that's going on for sure. 
I just found the real pits right here on Instagram. Just click the, the follow button. That's right. That's Very right. Nice. Go and give it a click. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what, are you, yep. what are you doing with this? Is that a chicken? <laughs> you, Probably slow. If I had to guess. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's you look, sitting on a on a crate. Um, yep. yep. Or a pallet, a pallet, pallet crate. Yep. Holding That's kind of what I do in the mornings. I wake up and talk to the chickens. So. <laughs> All right, man. Very cool. <laughs> Very Uh-oh. nice. Awesome. Thanks for joining okay. us on the Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. Huge, yeah, man. I enjoyed it. Michael Pitts might be the funniest man alive who doesn't actually tell a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right there. What a, what a character, Jay. You know, it, just a great honor to have michael pitts on the show with us and, and and get get into a little bit of serious hunter michael pitts and serious archery technician michael pitts but even better a little bit of the funny side of michael pitts and what he does with uh you know real tree and, and michael waddell and t-bone and nick munt and, and all the other guys that he picks with and if you haven't seen it it's 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 really something uh to to go on youtube or find michael pitts on on facebook and and check out what he's throwing out there on video wise and i, I tell you what uh, I, I laugh every time something new pops up i gotta watch it yeah i do too I, I i'd like to go to michael's dojo and have get trained the michael pitts way just we, we, we to, gotta definitely spend some time <laughs> with michael pitts in the near future yeah and, and put us through his rigorous training program to become world-class deer hunters that's what i want to do i want to go to the michael pitts dojo it would be super interesting there's no doubt about it it really would be amazing so we'll have to line that up with michael down the road yeah thanks michael for joining us very much so dusty do we have a uh, chubby tines tip of the week this week brewing in your head yeah we do you know uh it's uh tis the season to start thinking food plots the chubby tines tip of the week is sponsored by morse's sporting goods firearms use firearms bows use bows Located at 85 Kentucky Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, morsessportinggoods.com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax. Morse's Sporting Goods. And uh, what I mean by that is time to roll the ground over, time to get that fertilizer put on the ground so that you can grow your crops. And, you know, even some people are starting to throw out some seeds. Uh, right now is a good time if uh, you're going to do any kind of clover or alfalfa or any kind of uh, a grass food plot as far as, uh, you know, if you're doing uh, Kentucky bluegrass or perennial rye or you, you're getting into that aspect of uh, the whitetail hunting as far as food plots, tis the season for that, Jay. Now's the time. What type of food plots are you going to plant? Or do you do food plots? I never really even asked. I just assumed that you did them. Uh, not, I want such small pieces that, uh, I may do a, a throw and grow. Okay. Uh, nothing. I really haven't got into big food plots. I know that it's something that really is uh, beneficial, not only to help carry your herd through the winter months, but that chance of a lifetime buck coming out and feeding in a food plot. Uh, I highly recommend food plots. Um, I'm just not in positions where I can put out food plots to hunt over. Does that make sense? I hunt on small pieces. Yep. 
No, it definitely does. I know you know what you're doing because you, you're a farmer um, as well, so you know all those aspects of what to plant and when to plant and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely uh, definitely do some advising on some food plots uh, through some, some other friends that hunt here in Ohio. And, and I, I'm more of a find that pass-through on a small piece of timber and uh, try to capitalize where them deer are crossing through at. That, that's kind of my strategy of hunting. So food plots, yeah, I, I really enjoy them, and, and no doubt that I have the knowledge to grow them, but it's really not been my thing. Gotcha. All right. Well, you know a lot about it, so I'll, I'll, I'll take your advice any day of the week. So I want to say thanks to Jim Morse from Morse's Sporting Goods for sponsoring the show. Also to Jim Snow with the Eurohanger for being a partner in Thank you again to Michael Pitts for joining us on the Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. Dusty, where can we find you when you're not here on the show hanging out with me? Uh, you can shoot me an email, dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. You can look me up on Facebook, Chubby Tines Outdoors. You can also get a little bit into my personal life at Chasing Antler on Instagram. Jay, where can the people reach out to you when you're not on the mic? Got a, a bunch of different spots and... First, I'd like to let you know what's coming up next week on next week's show. It's going to be a two-part series, Dan Kaufman and the Kaufman Buck, which is now number two, I think, currently until it gets uh, reanalyzed in the Pope and Young books. We're going to go through every little step of what Dan Kaufman does, sees, looks at, analyzes, breaks down the hunt itself for when he killed this massive buck. So stay tuned for that. But if you'd like to reach out to me, I'm Jay at BigBuckRegistry.com. That's my email address. You can always find us on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. If you'd like to submit a deer uh, picture of any big buck that you shot last year or, or even early this year for whatever the season was, or even in the, in the past, you know, just, just uh, we always ask you to the, the first name of the hunter, the year it was shot in the state of kill. Or, or Providence or, or country, and you can send that to or go visit bigbuckregistry.com forward slash mybuck. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash mybuck. You can find us on Instagram now at bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Instagram. And you can give us a call at 724-613-2825. You can shoot us a text there or give us a call. Let us know you shot a deer or tell us the story of a deer you might have uh, taken down. Or if you have a suggestion for this show or if uh, if you like the show, don't like the show, whatever. If you haven't uh, checked out iTunes, you can, you can give, us some, give us some feedback there if you have no other method. If you are on iTunes, though. What I would ask is that you do a search for the Big Buck Registry in the search bar and then uh, leave us a review. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review. And if you like the show enough, you'd like to get get notified that this, there's a new show out, all you have to do is subscribe. So subscribe to the show if you're on an Apple device. Um, if you're on Android, the best place to probably go at the moment until Google Play gets going is uh, Stitcher, which is bigbuckregistry.com forward slash Stitcher. And that'll give you all the, uh, the the Stitcher app, which is great for any kind of Android device. And you can listen to our show over there as well. I think, Dusty, that's everywhere we're at, brother. That's a whole lot of big buck, Jay. Big buck, big buck, everywhere, big buck. You know, thanks again to the listeners for tuning in with us every week uh, you know we appreciate that more than you ever know yes we do and, and i just we can't thank you enough tuning in pushing that that little triangle play button i'm jay scott and i'm dusty phillips and this is the big buck registries big buck deer hunting podcast and we will see you next week can't wait